Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to, yeah, that's probably an ad. This is the Adweek Podcast. Uh, we are in Cannes for the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity. Super excited to have Ira Glass. Welcome to the podcast. Very good to be here. You and I spoke, I think it was two years ago. It was the last time we spoke about you were on your way to your first can. And your mission was to convince brands and agencies that podcasts were worth investing yes. uh, in advertising. Did it work? No. <laughs> in a word. What? what well, I, I could say like a, a couple of brands heard us and have started to, to spend some money, but not, not very many. No, it is a message that has not gotten, gotten out. I've been here now for a day, and, and every uh, CMO I talk to, I'm met with a kind of blank stare when I talk about what's going on in podcasting. Which seems insane because I was thinking about that today that since we spoke, you know, there's always this debate about are we on the bubble? Is this just a, you know, a post-serial boom on podcasting? And then we had S-Town and then we had, you know, Missing Richard Simmons. You have all the continued evidence that podcasting is an exploding, growing, evolving medium. I mean, that's got to be a frustration for you as this real advocate from, you know, from day one of podcasting. I mean, the truth is, like, we have a lot of advertising. We have a lot of advertisers. We're bringing in a lot of advertising money, but it's mostly direct response. And um, and so, like, you know, it's not, like, a horribly frustrating thing. It just seems like like, like brands are missing an opportunity. Like, like the numbers, just to review them, uh, the, the people who pull this most recently is a company called Edison Research, and they uh, say that one-fourth of Americans over age 12, when asked, have you listened to a podcast in the last month, one-fourth say yes. And that number is rising about 25% per year. So every four years, it's doubling. Um, so, it's, so, it's, so it's a ton of people. And just, just to give a sense of the size of the audiences, um, our podcast, S-Town, uh, was released in uh, March. It has seven episodes that were released all at once. And within a month, we had 40 million downloads. So, so, you know, the numbers are at a level that of like, of, you know, the way that we describe it is like uh, advertisers who are unfamiliar with this, brands that are unfamiliar with this should think about it as like a TV buy. Uh, you know, these shows are designed, um, the ones that we do in our, at our shop, Best Town, Serial, This American Life, are designed as narratives. And so they're designed to be con- 
consumed like binge-worthy narrative drama. And, and so the relationship people have to those shows is the same as they have with like the TV shows they binge watch. You know, they, 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 they really like them. You know, they feel, they feel a special thing for them. And, and, and the numbers are similar or larger for the podcast versions. And, and so, uh, you know, the thing we're saying is think of it as a, as a TV buy. You know, you're reaching that kind of audience with that kind of, like, dedication and loyalty. Um, and that's for the narrative ones. And there's all sorts of other ones where it's, you know, people sitting around talking and, uh, and uh, you know, which are wonderful shows. They tend to have smaller audiences. But, again, the audiences are super attached to those shows. They really love those hosts. They really love the shows. And some of them, the numbers are, are really big. And the category is really big. Um, again, we're tens of millions of people listening and downloading each month. And and so and so there, there's just there's just room for for brands to come in like a brand that really wanted to dominate the space really could without a lot of trouble. Yeah, it feels like there's this still this consistent. I remember you and I talked about this last time that there's this consistent group of God bless them, you know, of, of brands and startups that continue to support podcasts. I, you know, I've been a, a huge podcast fan for years, and I still feel like I, I hear the same brands over and over. Now, you brought up a, a related point, though, which is that the brand recall on podcasts is fantastic. And we've yes. run a lot of data about this uh, you know, over the last few years that it probably has the highest uh, product and brand recall of, of any medium. The other thing that we know is that uh, when we look at surveys of, uh, of listeners, um, that, that the podcast listener tends to be more engaged in the social media um, with the brands they like, so that's another asset. And then the demographics, they tend to have more money and to be better educated. Now, what I've enjoyed over the last year, and you've certainly been part of this, uh, is the continued evolution and experimentation with the format. Because, you know, you, you would think in a way that it's kind of a, I, I think part of it is that podcasting came out of radio, thanks to you. Um, but it recently, Gimlet and some of these other organizations are really coming up with innovative ways. So I wanted to ask you about a few trends. One was S-Town with the decision to release it in one bingeable dump. Uh, I remember logistically, I assumed that would create some issues because you have to tell everybody, hey, subscribe, even though there's no episodes so that you'll get them all when they dump and you don't have to go back later. Were you concerned about that approach? Because that it felt very new for the podcasting space. I mean, we were concerned about that for, for a bunch of reasons. Like, like we, we worried that by not having something that rolled out week after week, we wouldn't build the kind of like audience loyalty and also the kind of growing awareness that happens if you're doing a show week after week where people read press in week three who hadn't heard of it, or week four, or week five, or week six, who hadn't heard of it, and then they catch up on the whole thing. Like, there's something really powerful to roll out a show week by week. Um, the fact is, though, this, this is a story that felt like it was better told, released all at once, and, um, and it felt worth sacrificing any kind of extra audience we would get. But we definitely, uh, we, we defi we definitely uh, thought about it and, and, and felt like we were making a trade-off. Well, in the end, it paid off. I mean, you, S-Town has, the numbers are absolutely staggering. So uh, I, I think yet again, it proved that it, being willing to experiment in that space uh, paid off. Yeah, like, like, we, we, like we really didn't know what to expect. When we went to the people who were advertising on it, we said, like, I think the original ad buys were 40 million downloads. And we said, we don't know if this is going to be three months, six months, what? And it was one month. Oh, wow. And now, and now at this point, when you and I are talking, I think we're at 53 million downloads. 
So the the other uh, trend we see a lot of is branded podcasts. Uh, so coming out from day one, you, you know, obviously Gimlet's had some with uh, I, I want to say with eBay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there have been uh, a few different brands. I think Virgin had one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of that format? Do you think it has legs? Um, do you have any concerns about this idea of kind of branded content in the podcast space? I don't have any concerns. Like I think it's all pretty clearly labeled, and the audience knows what it's getting, and the brands know what they're getting. And uh, and uh, honestly, like, I haven't heard the shows, so I don't have like a, an opinion on the shows. I think what Gimlet does is great. I think it's a great company, um, uh, but but I haven't heard enough to have have a stronger opinion than that. One thing I also hear a lot is, is it too late to get into podcasting? It is definitely not too late. Um, like I think if a brand wants to get in, it really is like the wild west. I mean, and the main thing I, I would say to any brand is that is that you would want your podcast to have the qualities that any great podcast has. You know, you want people to be able to attach to it in a normal, emotional way. People attach to something that they really like. So either they need to attach to the host, or they need to attach to a story, or they need to attach to something in there. Um, it can't just be, you know, like an advertorial kind of thing. Like, it has to kind of obey the laws of podcasting or, you know, broadcasting. You know, it just has to, it has to be, it has to be good in that way where you can make an emotional connection as a listener. What advice would you give to an individual who wants to start a passion project on the side or convince their work to let them host a new podcast? Uh, you know, what would you say to kind of keep in mind from day one if you're thinking about, this is a crowded space. I mean, it seems like it is more work to kind of carve out a name for your podcast. Uh, it's really true. I've, I've heard that there are 300,000 podcasts now um, out there, which is a lot. Like, it's a lot. And you chose ours. I'm so honored. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to be here. Um, uh, like, you know, the, the things I would say for people who, who are just, who, who are just uh, thinking about it, like, honestly, like, the water's warm. Like, come in. Like, it's, 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 a, it's a really interesting moment. I mean, I would say, like, if you're just doing a conversational podcast, like, the tech is so basic, like, that'll be easy for you to set up. Um, but if, if people are thinking about doing narrative, uh, you know, I would suggest there's a book called On the Wire or Out on the Wire, which is a comic book guide to how to do narrative in this form, mm. including like not just the tech, but like the story considerations and, and what makes a good story and what doesn't make a good story that you might think is a good story. Uh, and it's excellent. Put out by a writer named Jessica Abel. Um, and, and, and you know, I think anybody with any ambition who's doing it, like, I would get somebody who's done it before uh, to listen in, you know what I mean? Like, to, to give you notes, like, in the way you would with any project that you were serious about. Like, I, I, would, bring, I, would, I would haul in somebody who knows what they're doing and, um, and uh, to vet. Well, vet maybe is a little strong, but just, like, to give notes. And then the other thing, like, given the crowdedness of the space, I think, like, actually, like, a very sharp concept is is better it'll just cut through the clutter you know like the, there's a pos- podcast of like you know my dad shot a porno and there's you know <laughs> the missing richard simmons and like like i feel like a simple concept that a person can see and then and then one thing that 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 uh that i would also recommend is, is to get people to know that you exist one of the ways to do it is to get onto other podcasts and there's so many podcasts with with uh comedians who are talking to other people who come on like that's one way, or like if it's a narrative podcast, to pitch the other shows that do narrative, like our show, This American Life, we'll sometimes, if there's a story that somebody else is doing in a style that matches our style, which is, which is scenes and characters and a, and a plot and a through line and, and a feeling, 
you know, we we make it kind of a practice to to try to like feature podcasts from other shows that we think our audience would like, and uh, and 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 that's one of the best ways to actually like pick up pick up listeners. Yeah, I, I feel like five or six of my favorite podcasts started, you know, I discovered them through you and through, you know, picking up one one piece of their story and, and putting it in This American Life, putting it in, you know, uh, when I, I think the only the only part of that trend I don't like is the, you know, podcasters rotating among other podcasters. It's it, for some reason, it's always annoyed me a bit because it's this kind of like scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of vibe sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, comedians joke about that. They always say like, oh, you got to go on everyone else's podcast. Uh, but I do think that that idea of, hey, this content fits with my audience. I'm going to, to share it uh, has obviously been something that you've been leading for years. Yeah, I mean, like, for us, I feel like, well, we're always looking for great material, and, you know, like, that's one thing, but then but then it's nice that, like, our listeners hear about these other podcasts. Like, I think the most recent one we played a, uh, we played a story from was Love and Radio, which is just, like, an amazing, amazing show. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, like, one of our thoughts was, like, it's, it's nice to be able to, like, send listeners that way. And one of the things we've heard from the podcast that we've done this with is, is like they do get a jump. Like it really works. Like and I think I think it really speaks to the fact that like podcast listeners are looking for other podcasts. Like they don't they don't know how to find them. Right now none of the apps does a great job at with discovery. You know, and so and so we're just waiting. We're just waiting you know, so people are looking for stuff. I actually yeah, I had a, a a fan of Adweek the other day was complaining really kind of emotionally on, on Twitter about the fact that he discovered this podcast so late. He said, this is, this is unheard of. You know, it's my favorite publication. It's, you know, it's something I'm, it's my, my passion, my career, and no, none of my apps ever served this up. Nothing ever tells me, you know what I mean? We've gotten so used to everything being algorithmic of, of recommend all these recommendation engines in your life now have gotten so good. Podcasting seems like it is one of the exceptions. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Um, it do- it doesn't happen. Like I would hope at some point, like there's no there's no standard um, podcast app that comes installed with Android devices. Mm. Like like right now, I think eighty percent of the podcast audience is on iPhones, and and it's and it's, I think it's because the iPhone comes with a podcast app like built into the iOS, but there's nothing like that on the Android. And I would just hope that when Android gets it together to do this, that that their version includes Discovery. One thing I, I did want to go back to, Can, uh, because I'm curious, you know, obviously, uh, last time we talked to you hadn't been yet. Uh, what did you think of your first experience of the festival itself? Was it, you've already struck me as a bit of, a, of an introvert, maybe that's unfair, but this is a place that's not, you know, overwhelming for even the most extroverted people. What did you think of your Can experience? Well, it's such a weird thing, like, because, because it feels like nobody's actually doing any work. It just feels like... People hanging out, drinking wine on rooftops, and going into meetings, and kind of like, and very high-powered people, and you just feel like this isn't a job. And then, and then, uh, and then, uh, but in fact, like at some point, like it dawned on me, like, oh no, a lot's getting done here, actually. <laughs> like, like, and, and from uh, for the from the CMOs who I've talked to, like, they all say that they're just like little face-to-face contacts that people are making that then lead to stuff down the line. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I think in any in any kind of uh, job, like you you need a place where you aren't on the track that you're on every single day, where you can just kind of like poke around and think about stuff you don't normally think about, and run into people you don't run into, and meet new people. And I feel like apparently that's what this serves as for like a whole big community of people. It was interesting. My first can was about four years ago, and I turned down every party invite I got 
because I was like, I am here to work. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and then, yeah, man, you, then you, you missed your, the entire yeah, point. Yeah, you find out that, well, definition of party. I was picturing these big raging beach things with the DJ and whatever. You know, it turns out 90% of them are just networking. You, you got a glass yeah. of wine, sure, but you're just meeting these amazing people. Cause everyone who's here is interesting for some reason, some yeah. for their, their power and their stature, but a lot of them just, they're here because they're creative innovators. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I feel like I... To your point, I had like the wrong idea of productivity that first year, um, but uh, and and I've heard a lot from marketers that they kind of like being able to just take a breath to be away from Manhattan, to be away from LA, and to just relax for a few days, and you can have more human conversations. I think. I mean, it's funny like these multinational firms with offices in like Hong Kong and London and Chicago and New York. And LA, like the thought that like, oh, we wait, they still need to get together in a room with somebody. You know what I mean? I feel like everything, everything that people I think like to believe is like, you know, all of our like skyping each other for meetings, is exactly the same. But it's so not the same. Well, and I've, I wondered uh, for you if you walked away from that first can experience feeling like. The, you made personal connections that would make podcasting more real for these folks. Like they'd say, "Oh, I, I know, I know, Ira Glassy, and I met a can." You know, did that? Did you have any relationships that grew out of that? One or two, one or two. Like honestly, I was kind of in and out, so I didn't meet that many people, which is why I came back this time. It just seemed like it would be good for somebody from podcasting to just be here and kind of wave the flag. And you know, I'm doing an event this afternoon and. And just meeting lots of people. Like, I don't know if it's going to be effective. Like, I feel like I feel like every single, really seriously, every single CMO who I talk to, it's, like, there, no, not every single one. Like, there have been one or two. Um, uh, and there have been one or two CEOs, too, who, like, are podcast fans. You know what I mean? Like, who know already, like, it's a thing. But, but generally, uh, the thing I've discovered is, like, no, people, people don't know. I mean, to your point earlier about how easy it would be to dominate this space, I mean, you think about how much ad space right now in podcast networks is going to, you know, your Caspers and your Nature Boxes and stuff. I mean, those, those are great, you know, emerging brands, but a major global brand could buy every podcast ad slot for the next year for less than they could probably buy, you know, one you know, omni-channel media buy that no one's even going to notice anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think they could have a lot of visibility. Like, and really, like, some car companies, some airlines, some alcohol, some consumer product. Like, it's just, yeah, it's waiting for somebody to be the first, um, you know. Well, let's talk about your session. Uh, if I remember right, the title is something like uh, Seven Things I've Learned. Yes, yes. Uh, can you give us a spoiler on any, what are some of the things you've learned that you're going to be going over? I mean, honestly, I'm going to be talking about how to make story. I mean, this is a creative conference and people like to think about like, what's the effective way to reach people and grab people and pull them in. And I feel like that's, you know, that's what I think about all the time. You know, that's what my daily job is. And so I'm going to talk about how we do that in the shows we make and what do we think about and, and, and how we go about it. Just because it seemed like that would be fun to talk about and it seemed like something that people would be able to connect to. The serial session uh, was two years ago was was pretty fascinating. I think just being able to hear the process behind. I mean, serial was a very transparent show anyway. You yeah. felt like you were kind of part of the production process. Yeah, she's anyway. telling you how she did the reporting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think even getting more of that was a really great experience. Um, it, you know, did did you feel like that 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 had some impact, and that did you factor that one into how you wanted to present this time around? No. 
no, it's been two years, and I have and I have different things to say. And no, it would have been smart to go back and see what they said. I didn't even think of it. That would have been a really good note <laughs> two weeks ago when I started working on my speech. No, you got to go in clean. This will be much better. Yeah. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, so thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've loved it. loved having it, and I look forward to your session. Thanks so much for having me. All right, take care, Ira. We will be filing more podcasts throughout the week, uh, so keep an eye on your podcast feed and on Adweek.com. I'm David Greiner with Adweek, and we will be back soon. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.